Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to another episode of Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. Pull up a pew wherever you are, sit down, chill out, kick back. It is time to enjoy some serious running motivation. Now, I say pull up a pew, kick back, chill out. Of course, you're, you're allowed to do that if you are tapering like we are. I say we, myself, and Pete, the producer, is knocking on the door of reducing his training volume, ready to take part in the Manchester Marathon Relay. And so many people are entering or about to enter that tapering phase, especially for big events like half marathons and marathons knocking on the door of spring. This is a weird time, man. It is a weird time. You will know if you are used to running lots of races. Maybe you're quite experienced with half marathons and marathons and things like that. It is a strange period. So what we thought we'd do is today's episode is going to be a tapering slash race day special. Yes, we're going to talk all things tapering. We're going to give you some tips, some thoughts, some advice, hopefully useful stuff. That's what we want to do on the show today to get you in the best possible shape, ready physically and mentally for whichever race it is that you have on the horizon. If you're still in the thick of training, by the way, Make sure you keep listening to the end because, of course, you can bank some of these tips, these tapering tips and tricks, ready for when you do enter that phase of your training. That's what today's all about, man. As a non-running guy, uh, I do now hang out with a lot of running people and everyone's going on about tapering. But you mentioned there that I'm going to be doing some tapering soon. Now, it's a couple of weeks until Manchester. I'm only doing a 10k. Um, is that relevant, tapering, when you do yeah, so a 10k? I think there's lots of different things to consider when it comes to tapering, right? That's massively important, hence why we're going to make it a bit of a subject on the show today. So what is tapering? Well, if we're going to get really, really technical about it and a bit sciencey, it's a systematic and progressive reduction in training load. So in simple terms, what does that mean? Well, look, we, we, we put the body under stress when we train. So whether that's you, Pete, training for your first 10K in the Manchester Marathon Relay, whether that's me doing the, 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 the full marathon, whatever you're training for, we want to increase our fitness. So we have to stress the body. We stress it safely because obviously if you stress it too much, then you end up with injury and, and too much fatigue, and then you risk not performing at your best. So we have to stress it safely. And then when you rest and recover, you get fitter, you get those adaptations. So if you're trying to increase your fitness level, you put the body under stress, you rest and recover, then you get the benefits. That's it in its simplest form. Tapering is like an extended version of that, if that makes sense. So rather than just having a couple of recovery days in the week or even a recovery week periodically throughout your training where you just ease off the gas a bit, you know, you don't run quite as much, you don't train quite as hard, you just let everything recover. Tapering is a bit like that, but it's a bit more extensive. Now, obviously, there's definitely things to consider. And one of the biggest things is what race are you training for? You know, the longer the race, obviously, the more stressful. I mean, that makes sense. If you're looking at really racing things, by the way, so that's what we're saying here. And even you, Pete, I say even you because, you know, you still say you're the non-running guy of the show. But actually, you do have aspirations for Manchester. You know, we speak uh, off the show and you, you regularly sort of say to me, I want to do quite well. I don't want to come last. All those natural kind of feelings, the emotions that people experience when it's their first one. So you're still conscious of this whole thing. Therefore it's very important that you apply discipline to the tapering period. That's really important because it's very easy to just keep pushing too much and the foot on the gas all the time. You just need to back off. When you get to that tapering period, which you have just got into now, uh, I noticed that you did yesday on, on Strava a one hour 45 track session. 
Was that easy? Were you pushing to a time? Is it just easy runs that you do during that 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 tapering period? Do you do you throw in um, strides? Do you throw in fartlek? Do you do all that kind of stuff? How does it how does it work? Well, you, what does it you've got to like? look at what you did throughout your training. So the the main part of your training, maybe a few months, you know, could be several months depending on 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 your experience and what your aspirations are on race day, the length of the the race that you're training for. So look at what you've been doing, and you've got to reduce that. You know, you want to not stress the body too much, as we've said. So you've got to make sure that you're doing things that you are comfortable with. Now, the important thing, and this is really, really important, actually, you ask about strides and is it just easy runs? You've got to make sure that you still provide the body with some intensity. So what I mean by that is if it is just easy running, but yet throughout your training, you know, you've done the strides, you've done some interval training, you've done some threshold running, maybe you've done some hill repeats, this kind of stuff. You've got to make sure you still give your body a bit of that because use it or lose it, right? I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? You know, you're not just, if you just suddenly stop running for three months, well, you're going to go backwards, aren't you? Obviously, you are going to lose fitness. So the key with tapering, and it is a science and an art, is making sure you, you arrive on the starting line fresh so you're not fatigued but you haven't lost fitness because in reality the manchester marathon is less than two weeks away right so i could kind of just do nothing now just not run until the day i'd be fresh i'd be rested but actually i will go backwards a little bit you know i'll almost forget how to run i'll lose confidence physically i'm going to lose a little bit of fitness and a bit of readiness which is not what we want so you've got to get that balance right that's that's really really important so back to your point your question you want to put the body under some intensity. So the session that Martina and I did, you say yesterday, so we're recording this on Monday. Sunday we're at the Winchester running track. Many people will know if you listen to the show regularly and you follow me on Strava, just search Running With Jake. If you don't, you want to see what I'm up to, you'll know that we do quite a lot of track sessions, quite like it. I've mentioned this on the show before. We can just switch off, chill out. We don't have to carry stuff. We've got water bottles at the side of the track, gels, you know, all that sort of stuff. Don't have to cross roads, so that's cool. So we put a little bit of marathon pace into the session on Sunday, but what's important is the session as a whole was significantly less stressful than the session we did the week before. In, yeah. in training, you kind of you you make the sessions more intense over time, and that could be volume, so you run further. You might include faster paced sessions, so they become more challenging. But then, when you enter the taper period, you want to bring things down a bit. You're still doing some fast running and some bits and bobs, if you like, of intensity, but you, you want to feel that you're not being too challenged. Because if you're too challenged, then that's going to extend the time that you need to recover to be ready for the race it's definitely it's tricky it's tricky and of course the, the important thing as well to know is that we all recover at different rates as well i mean i know that from coaching different runners different levels of ability personalities people with different lifestyles you know people with physical jobs manual jobs well they can't recover potentially as well as somebody that that has a desk job as long as the person with a desk job actually does get up and stay a little bit active it's less physical stress that they're mm. under so there's lots of things to consider that makes sense yeah, it's all really individual, isn't it? And speaking of that, actually, obviously I'm just thinking about the last two, three weeks with me, I had that groin strain, which I still have a little bit of discomfort with, but it's generally not a problem. I went out, I did an hour yesterday, and it wasn't a, a, a problem. The groin wasn't particularly. But I've also had COVID as well, which means that I, I guess I, I don't breathe as well as, as I normally do, um, which I'm noticing particularly at the start of runs. I've not had any particular symptoms it's just when i go running the first 20 minutes is an absolute 
bitch. <laughs> Whereas it's normally the first, you know, sort of 10 minutes that I hate, but it's been the first 20 minutes that I've hated. So with that groin strain, with that COVID stuff, with all of that, that's all got in the way of my training plan and you as the person who's training me has tweaked my training plan and and suggested different sessions and we've come down from the intensity particularly around the groin strain do i still need to taper well that is a brilliant question it's something i really wanted to mention in today's show because tapering is important we've said that we want to get fresh on the starting line fine want to reduce fatigue great right you want to arrive injury free but here's the thing if you've had some setbacks in training right now understandably it's important to reassess your expectations for the race so if you had a really ambitious goal but unfortunately through no fault of your own or fault of your own you got injured illness covid whatever you weren't able to commit to the session you had a bit of time out you've got to reassess the goal if it's just a day or two or even if it's a week and that week was ages ago then it pales into insignificance in the grand scheme of things as long as you get that consistency back and you're back on it right makes sense but in your case so you had a bit of a setback obviously the great the groin the grain issue you had the groin issue that was getting pretty (laughs) close relatively speaking to race day so what we needed to do there was go right You've kind of started your tapering early here in many respects, but you still you still need to build up that ability to cover the distance because that's where you are in your running journey, right? So it's not about throwing everything, mm, all sure, the yeah, sessions yeah. in the world at you in the kitchen sink. It's about giving you confidence with your running because that's important, helping you to improve slowly, safely, and also allowing the body to throw these little warning signs at us because until you start to run, actually you might have a little underlining niggle that you're never going to know about until you put on a pair of trainers and get out the door. So we've got to respond to those kinds of things, which clearly we have done. So back to the point, what I suggest with somebody like yourself, is, and we've spoken about this anyway, and to make this relevant to people listening to the show, if training hasn't gone to plan for you and you've had some time out close to the race before you due to really start tapering, you may still need to continue training for that race. Now, if that's a marathon just to add a caveat here, you've got to be very, very careful because on the basis that, let's face it, nobody, pretty much nobody, there might be some elites out there that cover the full 26.2 miles in training. But for most people, that is way too stressful. You know, I would never run 26 point miles in training. The most we did is 21, you know, and that's kind of the upper level. You know, you could quite comfortably run 17 miles to give you a number and, and still do very well in the marathon as long as you're ticking all the other boxes and you're consistent. But if you're doing something like a 10k or a half marathon and you're still building up the distance, well, actually, you might not need to taper quite as aggressively. You might just have a few days rest leading up to the race. But of course, the intention then is not to race it as such. It's to complete it and enjoy the day and be part of the experience and create the memory. Does that make some sense? So you, it, you're in a different place when you've had those setbacks and that's where you have to react to training. I really believe that. And you don't need a coach to do this. I mean, of course, that's, you know, I'm talking myself out of business here. I'm a coach. I help my runners do that and, and see the things that perhaps they can't see because I come at things objectively, kind of problem solving and uh, keeping training fluid. But if you self-coach effectively, which let's face it, if you've just pulled a generic plan off the internet, that's what you're doing, you're self-coaching. You've got to learn and understand and accept how to and the importance of making those adjustments to your training rather than being a slave to the plan. Because actually you had COVID or you had an ankle issue, or you had whatever. I and mean, that's the case throughout training in general. You've got to make those adjustments, but it becomes even more important close to the race. More things matter, you know? Yeah, I think that's dead important. I think enjoying the day is is uh, absolute key, isn't it? Because if you don't enjoy the day, you're not going to want to do it ever again, I guess. I don't know. I do think it's really easy to put 
pressure on yourself though you know i've been thinking about this a lot with my training and i i i definitely put pressure on myself and that's something i've really tried hard not to do this time around and i think i'm I think I've made progress with that. I've not mastered it, but I've made progress. And I think it's possibly because I'm a running coach and I do the podcast, you know, all these kinds of things. It, it kind of, it, it feels like there's a bit of pressure and it's not coming from anywhere other than from me, you know, like it is for other people when they have ambitious goals for, for them. So it is important just to keep keep yourself in check a little bit, you know, manage that pressure. Because as we've said many times, you know, we speak to different guests every week that, people respond differently to different degrees of pressure and different times in their life. You know, sometimes we can deal with high pressure with running and goal orientated, you know, events, chasing PBs. That's great. But actually, if life is really busy, hectic for you, maybe, you know, starting a new family, whatever it might be, you're not in a position to be able to deal with extra stress from the pressure that you put on yourself for achieving running goals. So timing is really, really important. And I think you've just you've just got to be You've got to be very, very mindful because you don't want to. You don't want to not enjoy it. I mean, what's the point in that, really? That's dead important. And I've had to stop myself. I've had to catch myself a few times, you know, because obviously before this became an issue and before I was doing this this ten k, which you you got me into, um, and I've I've just kind of like gone running out for probably I don't know four five six k at a time, you know, once or twice, probably three times a week, just to make myself feel better. Uh, just calm myself down because it brings everything into alignment I think sometimes my head and my body and everything I'm slightly out of alignment and if I go out for a run then I feel better and I feel calmer afterwards and that's how it's worked for me I've never timed it if you've listened to previous podcasts I've talked about this I've never timed it I've never worked out how fast I've gone or anything like that um, but now obviously I'm following the training plan that you that you set out for me and there's that pressure there all of a sudden because it's like I've got to do this many sessions a week I've got to do this and I know we really work really well around my week and and moving things around but like when I have to move a session and I've not done a session that winds me up and then all of a sudden I'm getting wound up and I'm getting if I I have to if, if some work comes in that I have to do rather than do a session I'm doing that work and I'm wound up about the fact that I've not done the session and I was planning on doing the session and because I don't massively enjoy running it's no secret you know it's it's something that I build myself up to do but actually I can't do it I've got to put it off till tomorrow and then I get wound up by that and that is completely not the reason why I do running you know what I mean? So I have to stop myself and go, hang on, you're getting yourself wound up about this. You've got to calm down because it comes back to the fact that it's got to be a positive, fun experience because that's what it's about. It's, it's, and it's definitely not easy, is it? it? It can Your thoughts can run away with you. you. You start off with running, oh, I'm not bothered about achieving goals or I'm not going to do races. Oh, I might do a park run. And then, you know, it escalates. And before you know it, you're signing up to 10Ks and half marathons and maybe beyond. Oh, I'm not bothered about a time. But I don't want to come last, which is a common thing that people say. Well, actually, it would be nice if I could do this, but I'm not bothered. I'd like to do this time, but it doesn't matter. You know, all that sort of internal battle. And, and it's great to have ambition. Of course it is, because it adds more weight to the experience. I think that's really beneficial. I also think it helps you to understand how to run the race. Because if you've got a bit of a target... It adds a bit of weight, as I said, but also you, you sort of you've got an idea of what the execution is. Otherwise, are you just running? Are you just going to run? That's fine. You might just want to just do it as an easy run. But for most people, they don't. I think I'm right in saying most people will 
take part in an event and they'll push themselves a bit even if it's not to full-on race it they'll they'll they usually work harder than they would do if they're doing a you know typical easy run on their own so i think it's really helpful to have a bit of guidance that that target can give you but if you're just hell-bent on achieving it you're definitely going to risk taking some of the fun out of it i mean i i speak a lot about and a lot of coaches do actually they would call it different things you know abc goals i call it your dream time your real time and your fair time which basically means you know if everything's amazing and the the gods are shining down on you on the day the racing gods it's perfect what time are you going to achieve right that's the first time that's the the dream time right it's almost unrealistic in some respects everything's got to be perfect the second time the real time is okay based on training based on conditions based on how you feel on the day based on everything it's that time you know it's a bit more realistic hence real time and the third time which i think is actually in many respects almost more important is your fair time so you know what are you going to allow yourself to achieve without giving yourself a massive hard time i think that's really important now it doesn't mean that your fair time you will be able to achieve back in 2019 manchester i didn't finish i got a dnf i i uh quit at mile 18 effectively well if i'd have set myself a fair time of i don't know seven hours or three days i wouldn't have achieved it because actually i didn't finish so that's always a possibility but realistically you know choose three times within a window and i think that can really help you and i'll tell you something else about that you know pete that i find really really helpful myself as well and i said this to martina only at the weekend that it gives you somewhere else to go in terms of motivation as well because you know you know like let's say you're in manchester relay 10k and you've got a target and a time let's say and you've only got one time. So you haven't got three, you've just got one. And you realise part way through that that's not possible. Because you'll, you'll know, you know, you, you feel that you're slipping behind in terms of pace or it's just not your day and it's not, it's not going to happen. Well, if you haven't got another time in your mind, a contingency, a plan B or plan C, where do you go? Where do you draw your motivation from? it's a bit harder you have to adjust on the fly then and you're already under pressure and physical stress especially because you you're not achieving your a goal your a goal your first time so you're you're obviously under physical stress how do you how do you draw the motivation whereas if you think right okay no this is cool now i've got plan b that's great and if plan b doesn't work out i've got plan c so it's good for motivation as well obviously i don't do any strength training um (laughs) funnily enough i was doing i was in a meeting with someone else not relating to uh this podcast in any way whatsoever but she's also um a running a running not a running coach like a strength training Mm. coach and she said you need to do some strength training and here's why and she gave me a big big list of things but i don't i don't do any strength training of any description uh you know i I, I suppose i do to some extent like i go in the garage and i um move things around and stuff like that and that's the extent of my strength training but if i did do some strength training or those those people who do do strength training and they'd be listening now and they'd be confused by this uh, by the taper period should you keep strength training during that taper period or is it just the the running that you need to pull back on i would definitely pull back on the strength training i mean it, it, it isn't one size fits all as is always the case with these things where training and, and certainly running's concerned and it depends what what constitutes a strength session for somebody as well how involved they are how experienced they are we know that delayed onset of muscle soreness 
as, it, as it's known as DOMS, delayed onset of muscle soreness. So that's soreness you get a day or, or two days, sometimes even three days for three days after a, a tough weight session, strength session. You don't want that on the day of your race, you know. You, you want to be fresh, as we've said. So you've got to manage that. I don't think there's a great deal of benefit from doing strength training close to a race. You know, take me, for example, I... So just under two weeks, as you know, until Manchester, we're doing no strength training now. Nothing. Not doing anything. Yesterday, sorry, last week rather, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing some hill sprints. So we've been putting in what I would call some kind of running specific strength work. So it's great, particularly for um, the legs, really kind of activating all your muscle fibers, getting you fired up. I always feel good as well. I don't know whether it's a little bit psychosomatic, you know, but I always feel good for doing hill sprints. Uh, and hill sprints, by the way, I'm talking like eight to ten seconds maximum effort. We're not talking like one minute, two minutes. Often people say, oh, I'm doing some hill sprints. They're not hill sprints. It's like eight to ten, maybe 12 seconds at the absolute most. So we'll do some of that that gives us a bit of strength. But now I'm backing off from that completely. I just, for me, and, and other people may view this differently, but for me, it's all about risk assessment. And you want to minimize the risk. I, mean, I try to do that all the time in training anyway with myself and with my runners to keep them injury free obviously everybody's goal orientated but my focus even before that is to try and keep them as injury free as possible you know and, and, and encouraging them to back off so when you come to a taper and when you come to the race and closer to the race because you can't risk injury now i mean you, you never want to risk injury but if you are going to get an injury or illness you, you want it like way out from the way from the race don't you you want it like weeks before so you've got time to overcome yeah gotcha i just don't yeah. think it's worth the risk of putting in like strength work at, at, at this late stage i mean to give you an idea because this is probably quite helpful so time scales right like how long do you do you taper? So we know it's a reduction in training volume. It is a reduction in, t in intensity as well, but you do need to keep some intensity there. So the sessions can't be as stressful as it used to be, but you need to keep some spice in there. But I would say, so for the likes of you, Pete, or people running, let's say 10Ks, I would say somewhere in the region, if you're doing a 5 or 10K, somewhere in the region of 7 to 10 days to kind of reduce things, I think is reasonable. Now, for some people, they may... We, that, that period may be slightly less for some people it may be slightly longer it is largely individual but I think that's a good starting point seven to ten days to start to think about bringing things down obviously the race that you're looking at doing is shorter than the likes of a half and a marathon so it makes sense you don't need to taper for as long a half marathon I would go somewhere in the region of ten days to two weeks again therein and this is something to test so test it in a half marathon Maybe you go, right, I'm going to start to taper at the two-week point. Two weeks out from the race, I'm going to do that. I'm going to log how I feel. I'm going to log what I do. And then based on how I feel on the day of the race and the outcome of the race, then I can make the necessary adjustments over that two-week period, that taper period, for the next half marathon that I do in the future. You know, And you may go, actually, I think two weeks was slightly too long for me. I think probably... 12 days is, is, is optimum or 11 days. You know, you've got to test these things. For a marathon, it's a bit longer. For most people, it's two and a half to three weeks. Now, three weeks is often kind of thrown around as, oh, we start the three-week taper. and uh, But there is a risk there as well of kind of backing off too much, just like slamming the brakes on and, and not doing enough. And then you risk losing fitness. Again, it goes back to that kind of balance between science and art because you don't want to lose fitness a lot of people say it's better to be on the starting line slightly underprepared than overtrained, which I would agree with. Better to be slightly undertrained and actually physically healthy than overtrained and on the verge of injury or serious fatigue. So I, I think that's true. But for me, about two and a half weeks, 
for a marathon, something like that. I, I, I tend to do. So if it's like a classic Sunday race day, yeah? So Manchester Marathon on a Sunday. So about two weeks and five days, something like that, out from the race, that's the last tough session. Normally like the Tuesday or the Wednesday mm. in that sort of three-week-before period, if that makes sense. That's an intense session. So we're not trying to back off. We're going for it. And, and, and yeah, once we've yeah. done that, then we start to bring things down a bit. But you know that works for you because you have this history of doing quite a lot of marathons and I know for a fact that you keep a notebook and you keep it all there and you're noting down how you feel and then you look back over it and you base this you know you're training for your next marathon on the, the what happened during the last one or or during you know previous previous marathons and I guess that's really important isn't it just to keep just to be aware of how you feel uh, you know physically mentally during that taper period but also during the whole the whole time well you're getting good at this pete i mean we've only started kind of coaching properly as it were and we're, we're, we're playing a bit with it aren't we let's let's be honest you know I, you're on board with this relay i said look I'll, let me just write a few sessions for you and stuff we're keeping things simple obviously just navigating your way to the starting line but you're already starting to add some notes to training peak so the platform we use to coach the sessions you'll put how you feel and <laughs> sometimes how you feel is quite colorful i'll be honest it is quite colorful well sometimes jake <laughs> i've got back from a session and i'm dying on my ass and i'm going right who do i vent to <laughs> i know i'll vent to training yeah. peaks that's what <laughs> which I'll is do. usually what happens <laughs> but it's, it is massively helpful and i do the same thing but what i've found is over the years and i, I suppose this is a little bit a little bit being of being a coach i suppose but also my, I guess, personality and drive to achieve things that I want to achieve in running. I've found that my note-taking is more comprehensive, so I, it's a lot more detailed than it used to be. So I don't use, like, paper diaries as much as I used to, but that's fine, doesn't make any difference. I now use, I use training peaks myself, but I, I log with quite a lot of detail. And if I think about something, like, after the session, I'm talking, like, even days after, I'm like, ooh, that's that's worth making a note of, actually. You know, I don't put stuff just for the sake of it, and I advise that other runners don't do that either there's no point you know it's just extra taking extra time and brain space for you to be able to write lots of stuff that is not relevant but the relevant things you know did you enjoy it did you not enjoy it all that sort of stuff if there was a particular problem or the session went particularly well it's usually the extreme so if, if a session goes really well or it goes you know pretty badly it's worth noting why because you want to, if it went badly, you want to avoid that. If it went really well, you want to replicate that, don't you? You want a bit more of that. So it's definitely worth those kind of just, well, I did 30-minute easy run and it was fine. It was normal. You don't really need to say much. And I say that to my runners as well. You know, some of the guys are great because they'll go back onto the session and then add stuff later, as I mentioned, which is really helpful. But in the early days, I never, I never did any of that. I, I, I logged, in fact, the first year when I started running, which was 2008, I didn't log anything. And do you know, I wished I had have done purely out of amusement to see how badly I trained, just to see <laughs> all the crappy mistakes, all the things that I say don't do. I would have done and I just I wished I'd have documented that which I unfortunately I didn't but then from 2009 I did so if you don't mind me asking you know back then in 2008 you obviously you got into running and you got into running because somebody put you you ended up um, working with somebody and then you ended up doing a marathon and you thought well flipping out this is going to kill me and you actually really loved it where did you get your direction from if you like did you have someone who trained you did you have like a mentor or how did you how did you get to where you are or were back then because I guess like the information and everything um, would have been less back then in 2008 
you know, there wouldn't have been so many things on the internet. There wouldn't have been really informative podcasts like this one and like other <laughs> running podcasts. Um, but not mainly this one, though, I'd say, to be fair. <laughs> but where did you get that from? It, well, it was funny because I was a personal trainer then and my client offered me a place in the London Marathon. She was a chief exec of a charity, right? So, do you want to run London? Yeah, cool. Bucket list stuff. Let's do it. Threw myself into it. I was relatively fit, but not running fit, right? So, I just pulled a plan off the sure. internet. I think it was a runner's world plan from memory. Just like, oh, that'll mm. do. And I just kind of pulled it off and followed it to the letter. So, made all those mistakes, you know. Um, and I remember when I did the second marathon, so that was London, and then I did the second marathon, which was Berlin, the same year, so 2008 this was, I just followed the same plan again. And that's okay because, mm. as we've said before, we're speaking to different guests on the show, you 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 layer on those blocks of training, those training cycles. So it's easy to look at things in isolation. So, right, I'm training for Manchester Marathon. Once that's done, right, that's over now. I'm now training for, I don't know, Valencia Marathon and this is totally separate. Well, it, well, it's not. You're not, you're not going back to square one. You, you, you know, you, you're using that block of training, the, in my case, Manchester, to build on, which is we, we've already noticed that, Martina and I, my girlfriend, having done Manchester last October, we've noticed the difference in our training now just from doing what we did in Manchester and being at, in that place. You know, back last year, this is, is like a stepping stone. So you're always going to make benefits in in, in that sense, but actually, just doing the same thing over and over again, you know? We know what Einstein says, sign of insanity, right? So why would you do that? You want to look at things a little bit creatively. Um, so that's how I did it. It was just like the same old, same old. And you just learn and you move forward and you learn. And, you know, I was running long runs too fast back then, definitely, which is a mistake because in a race you want to, you know, you've got a target time in mind. So you, it makes sense to run fast in training. Well, it does but you don't want to be doing that all the time. Otherwise, you're never going to get the best out of yourself because you'll be too tired for the, the really meaningful, important sessions. Um, so I was too fatigued in the long runs. Just many mistakes, man. We haven't got time to list all the mistakes. It should be like a yeah, Netflix yeah. documentary no, I'm sure, absolutely, yeah. on the mistakes Jake, <laughs> Jake made in training. I'm not saying people would watch it, but it would be a long series. To be fair, like you, I can understand that you 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 know I, I guess the, the thing is by having a training plan that works for you, that's specific to you, that you could get through having someone uh, take care of you and look after you and, and provide you with coaching, a, a running coach. That means that you get to the point that you got to much quicker. Do you know what I mean? Because you know generic generic stuff is just generic stuff. Well, the best example of that, and it sounds like you know uh, it's it, it's a, it's a sell on the show for my coaching. But in all seriousness, that's Martina, because she came. You know, my girlfriend came from a swimming background, relatively fit. I mean, she was fit, mm. but not running fit. But we tried to shortcut. So all the mistakes I made. I do everything in my power to make sure she doesn't make them. She's working from home today, right? So I'm in the cupboard as I always am when I record the podcast. She's in the kitchen uh, at the table doing her studies and work for a big exams this year. And I said to her this morning, I said, are you drinking? Keep yourself hydrated. Keep moving. You've been sat there for too long. You know, I'm a, I can be a bit of a pain in the ass. But in a really, you know, hopefully positive and helpful way, because I want... <laughs> well, if she dumps you, you'll know it wasn't exactly, positive and Exactly, which could happen. It could happen. If you see me in the Manchester Marathon with a black eye, you know where it came from. But I want her to do well on the day because she wants to do well. I care that she's able to achieve what she wants to achieve and she's proud of herself, which is the case for all of my runners. You know, I don't care what they achieve. Mm. It's what they want to achieve. Can I help them with that? But with Martina, just try and shortcut those 
those kind of mistakes you know that's really that's really important i think to be able to do that and funnily enough coaching keeps popping in my head you know in fact i spoke with uh, a coach that's been on the show previously that we've had on a couple of times uh, a good, good good friend uh, vince vince wilson who's been on 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 the show and i spoke to him you know we we catch up here and there and uh as I said to him, I might, might speak to you about a bit of coaching and a bit of guidance, just just to not think about... And he said, oh, I do coach some coaches, actually. I said, I'm not surprised, because you're just thinking about other people's running all the time. Sometimes it's nice for somebody else to take that responsibility, even if you have knowledge yourself. And it's also, you're so emotionally invested, like my runners are emotionally invested in their goal, whereas I can look at things mm, objectively. Mm. Well, I'm emotionally invested in my goal, so sometimes it's hard for me to put take off my Jake hat, if you like, Jake the runner, and put the coach's hat on and be objective. It's a, it's a little harder. So it's something I've definitely thought about. Just, Absolutely, I, I tell yeah. you something that just popped in my head that's really, really important, and I think this is one of the most important things in training in general. You know, we, we speak, obviously we're talking quite a bit about tapering and, and I suppose pitfalls to a degree. But when you get to the taper period, you want to back off, fine. The key with training, and I think this is one of the most important principles, is to make sure that there is progression in what you're doing so you progress how you train whether that's running slightly further running slightly faster giving yourself less rest time in between certain intervals you know if you're somebody that that runs and walks if that's what you do which is perfectly fine i think it's a great way to train takes pressure off you can build up the distance and duration you could reduce the amount of time that you spend walking well that's making the session more intense isn't it you know, if you walked for 90 seconds last week and you're walking for 75 seconds this week, well, that's progress. You're progressing. You're putting your body under new stress because if you ask the same thing of it, it's not going to adapt or change because it doesn't have to. And that's what you want in tapering. But before tapering, you don't want that. You want to make sure you progress. So, you know, when you talk about training plans and, oh, what did I do back in 2008? And, oh, I'd you know, it was Runner's World or it was a plan out of this book or it was this plan, whatever. The key is making sure that there's there's definite progress within whatever plan it is you're following, even if you're doing your own training. Are you progressing? You know, are you are you increasing what you're doing? If you want to get fitter, obviously if you don't, mm. that's okay. You know, if it's just running for wellness, I say just wellness, how important is that? But you know what I mean? Running three times a week, 30 minutes, getting out there, getting some fresh air, great. But if you're kind of performance orientated and you want to improve, got to put the body under stress, man. I've got to ask, because you sit here and you give out all of the advice, um, and it's clearly good advice. <laughs> Do you take your own advice? Because I know what it's like with you, uh, <laughs> with you coaches. It's not easy. It's never easy. And the tapering phase is a, is a very funny period, as we've said. You, you just, you feel a little bit out of sorts because you kind of, you're almost there, but you, you, you're not quite there. And then you're going through all those doubts and fears in your mind. And they're perfectly normal, by the way. I go, you know, I have that process of going through the doubts and the fears and will I be able to achieve my goal? Will I be ready? You know, am I putting too much pressure on myself? All those things that are just so normal. So I definitely experienced that. And it is a, this kind of mm. weird, almost bit no man's land. You're not really doing much training. It just, you can feel a bit sluggish. It's really an odd place to be. So I think what I personally try to do, and I advise other people to do, just distract yourself a little bit. It sounds really silly, but I just, like yesterday, I forced myself I forced myself just to get out for a short walk. In fact, I got out for a couple of short walks. Just, 
I wandered past Winchester Cathedral the, the first time I had some tunes on, the second time I didn't, just like 20, 30 minutes max, just to get some fresh air, get the body moving, re- clears the mind. It's a good thing to do anyway, right? But I think definitely through the taper period, it just helps you to chill out a little bit more. I look back over my training as well. The sessions that give me confidence, and people listen to this, there will be sessions that give you confidence. So although you might be really hard on yourself and, oh, that didn't go so well, or, oh, I'm not a proper runner, or that was a bad run at the weekend, I wanted to be faster, there's definitely going to be things that you've done that that give you confidence. So cast your mind back over those. Go and look at them and just get that in your head. Start to obviously think about the race. And the other thing I do, Pete, is I, I really, at the moment, what I'm trying to do is put a few changes in place over these last couple of weeks to get my body in a good place for the race. So what I mean by that, I'm talking about timings really. So things like I'm trying to eat breakfast earlier. Mm. I'm trying to eat dinner early. Just bring everything a little bit earlier than I would normally would do. So we're not quite on Italian time eating at 8pm at night because that's important for an early race. I'm trying where possible to run do any runs that I'm doing over the next couple of weeks, I try and do them at the same time that the race is going to start. So it just helps my body clock. It helps me use the toilet in the right, morning right, before yeah, I run. People yeah. can relate to that. That's important. Just all those kind of logistical things, the timing, just getting yourself in the best place possible ready for the day and, and, and controlling the controllables, you know. So I do try to take my own advice and they're the things that I mentioned that I'm focusing on over the next couple of weeks. So potentially could help you if you listen to this and you've got a big race coming up or even if you're not going to race in the near future but you know maybe back end of the year autumn uh, an autumn marathon or half marathon whatever definitely apply some of the things in the show today because i think it'll really help you you know and it help you to get the most out of the event because let's face it whichever race we're doing or whatever our reasons behind it we all want to enjoy it right we want to create some good memories so let's just flip and do it man that's what i say I agree with that, and do you know what? I think I think that's been a good chat, and I think there's been a lot of value in there for people who are uh, in the tapering period of training at the moment. Um, obviously, you know, you've given out a lot of good information there. You really have for everybody who's tapering, for everyone who's running, for everyone who's passionate about that. I, however, even though I am running a little bit, I'm still very much a non-running guy, and I do know that other non-running guys listen to this show as well. And when I say non-running guys, I mean guys and girls, and I'm not different. You know, so we've done a thing for the runners this week. How about Jake? Next week we do the we do the um, I don't know a special about something else, but about just like I don't know um, burgers and beer, for example. We'll, we'll call the that burgers and beer we'll, special. We'll, yeah, we could do, we that? do that. It's a it's a it's a semi okay idea, but I think I think we Come should on. probably get the amazing Holly Archer on next week. That's what we should do. We should have a good old chat. With Holly Archer. Oh, not more running stuff on a running podcast. Holly Archer coming up on next week's show. I hope you've enjoyed today's tapering special. Oh. Have a great week of running. <laughs> See you soon. Oh, and one more thing. Before everything else, getting ready is the secret of success. Success.